for your support and all that you guys uh, share and um, pass around this some of these episodes is great thank you and if you are a returning listener thank you so much you guys feel free if you have the apple i think it's the apple and that's also the other ones as well the other apps that you can listen podcasts on you can subscribe to them so please do subscribe i don't usually ask that but i will this time because i forget i forget to ask that's the honest darn truth all right, so thank you guys. Not enough thank yous because I love doing this and um, somebody, it, it, it's a lot funner when somebody's listening. <laughs> All right. I was recently thinking about identity and what it means when we really start defining our identity and how we go about doing this. And I think that we really, as a society, at times say things that we don't really mean, but we we think they sound good when it comes to our identity. I imagine that when you see quotes on Facebook and when you hear movies with the one-liners that really make a difference in your life and you just quote them and repeat them, it, it, it does something to us. It conditions us and tells us that we need to ideally present some sort of image that maybe in a more rigid way defines our identity. We don't mean to do it. It just gets done. And I'll, I'll tell you some of the stuff that we say that I think is working against us. We say those statements, we really mean them, but we don't know what we're saying when we say them. And so those are brain commands that we may sometimes give ourselves if we do say those things. And I want us to change them today. Because these brain commands do in some way not define your identity like you think you d- it does, but more than likely it makes it rigid and it makes it limited. Our identity is a tricky thing to teach and to really look at because early on in life we define ourselves by our parents, our favorite color, our likes, our dislikes. Then as we age in adolescence, we go into defining ourselves based on the friendships that we make, which click do we ride with, which lunch group do we sit with. All that means something. It's age appropriate for us to say that we belong to a crowd and that belonging stays on. But we change eventually. We go on to defining ourselves based on our work, our profession, maybe the person that we are with how many children we have, if we have children at all. Sometimes we can define ourselves based on sexual orientation, we're gay, straight, transgender. Whether it's our profession, the person that we're with, the people who we spend time with, whatever. Whatever we define our identity boldly on is probably the same thing that works against us. And let me tell you why. Because if we put all our bet if we put all our bet in this one thing that defines our identity, then when if we ever lose this thing, whether it's a marriage, whether it's a job, a profession, a title, a license, if we lose any of those things, then what we're left with is heartbreak, suffering, 
because we have to redefine ourselves at that point. And I see it all the time. I see ourselves, I see a lot of people that come in because they are transitioning from one job to another. They may have lost their job, even transitioning from marriage to divorce. All of those things are ways that we transition. And the easier the transition is usually is associated with our ability to be flexible with our identity, to be humble and to be flexible with the way we think and the way we define ourselves. Do we define ourselves in a rigid way or are we expansive and willing to grow? And the statements that I'm going to kind of talk about today or the ways that we think that I'm going to kind of go over are going to help us out with interrupting those patterns. I don't want us to be thinking those patterns. And if you do say them out loud, I need you to stop because it needs to make you cringe that you're saying those things out loud. They're not real. They sound good, but if I if we just go through them, you'll see that they're not really as valuable as you think they are when defining your identity. Okay? So the first thing that I want us to understand that the statement of I know what I am and I've I've heard this like I I've heard this multiple times said by different types of people I know what I am and what you're basically saying is that because I know what I am I have to defend it even if it's wrong I know what I am and also that means that it may not match with somebody else's belief and opinion and I might have to defend it so Knowing what I am and having that fixed, rigid idea does not allow for us to grow. Our identity will be stuck and we might even die for this belief. This is how rigid that is. I mean, how many people or how many stories in, in have we heard about groups, people that kind of represent themselves by a belief and they're willing to die for that cause? Now, that's not a flexible person. It's not even remotely uh, progressive or advanced. In fact, I think it's actually more regressed and underdeveloped. When I think about humanity as a whole and I connect with it as a whole, then little beliefs that define you as a person with a group of people is not a compassionate idea because it says that group is somehow superior or inferior to another. So it's not as good and compassionate as we thought it was. Knowing what I am and having to support that belief till death do me part is, is not a good idea. Not a good idea. So connecting to each other as human, now that's a brilliant thought. All of us humans going through similar milestones, being compassionate to one another, now that is an elevated thought. Something to look forward to here. So stay away for the, from the, I know what I am and what political or what group you might belong to. I promise if your identity is defined by those groups, you will be disappointed as they are not as perfect and ideal as we present them to be. They are human because I know that as they include humans and humans are imperfection. Remember, they're imperfection. So don't bother perfecting this human thing. It is meant to be imperfect. Okay? All right. The number two statement that might sabotage your development of an expansive identity would be the I can't. And 
when you say any sentence that begins with I can't, where it deals with you are not able to accomplish something or you're rigid about doing one, one, doing something in only one way and not seeing it in other ways. Now that limits your ability to be teachable and, and you're already judging yourself on whatever it is that you're about to do. Now, this doesn't make us a survivor. A survivor does not say, I can't. They just <laughs> say, okay, what, what, how high do I need to jump to make sure I get out of this prison? That's what a survivor does. And they'll figure out a way. So I can't does not help us survive. Not only that, it doesn't help us expand and learn to grow. Doing one thing in the same way every time and choosing not to do it another way will limit our abilities to go beyond what we just can conceive. So don't bother going with the I can't statement. Start letting it make you cringe. It needs to make you cringe. I can't is nonsense. Get it out of your system. There's no such thing as I can't. It is a choice, whatever it is we decide to do. Don't limit yourself to choices. Have as many as you can on that buffet of life. All right. The third statement that I think we need to address here is the, I used to be, oh God, this one here breaks my heart into little tiny shredded therapist pieces. That's what it does for me. The, I used to be is almost in itself a shaming statement. It's saying that I used to be a certain way, but the implication is now I'm not this way. And usually it is not meant, usually it's not meant to be a great thing. It doesn't even allow that you, you've evolved since in whatever way you evolved. We don't necessarily go backwards. We're still living every day. The concept of going backwards is, is non-existent. We're still moving every day. We can't unknow what we know today. So there's no such thing as I used to be. We are moving every day. But a lot of times I see this with patients that want to explain to me and really like talk it up, right? Where they say, you know, I used to be really smart. I used to be really in tune. I used to be really compassionate. I used to be really happy. I used to be, I used to be. The thing is, whatever you used to be is actually not even worth looking at. Let me tell you why. Because it was conditional. When the conditions changed, then it was no longer whatever it is. So don't bother saying I used to be. It's just another way that you stay in denial and thinking that somehow you lost something. There's nothing that was lost or lacking within you. So stop saying I used to be. If you ever say it, get it out of your statement. It is not any way to define who you are today. We are changing and evolving. And by saying I used to be, say it, you're basically saying, mm, I can only do what I already know. And what I did before was better than I do now. And maybe what I can do in the future. I want to go back to what I used to be. Oh, hell no. Just, just, just stop. Just stop. Just stop. Just stop. If you're using it that way, it ain't no good. It ain't no good. All right. I hope I made that one pretty clear. I'm a little dramatic today. Maybe it's because it's the last day of the retrograde. I don't know. But whatever it is, let's just celebrate. All right. The fourth statement I want you to stay away from is something that starts with, I don't have. Well, let me make it really clear for everyone here. If we say, I don't have, for example, time. I don't have enough. I don't have, mm, let's see. I don't have this. I don't have that. I don't have as much. Whatever variation is of the I don't have is called a lack mentality. It's saying that in a lot of ways, you're justifying reasons for whatever it is that you're using that statement for. You're justifying reasons to limit yourself, limit what you can be. 
I don't have, it, it kind of keeps you stuck on this idea of sadness, of helplessness, right? And whenever we think helplessness is one of the symptoms for the depressive type of symptoms, it keeps you stuck emotionally. So saying I don't have whatever it is, I don't have time, I don't have money, I don't have whatever it is that you think you don't have, saying it and repeating it over and over again, just it's, it's not doing anything for your identity. And you're reaffirming it by saying it out loud if you're telling other people this. If you're making these justifications or excuses, starting with I don't have, it's not helpful to you. And when you say it out loud, it just reaffirms it. And unfortunately, if somebody else hears you, if it's a friend or somebody that cares about you and they just kind of like, oh yeah, that's pretty, but you know, that's pretty bad that you don't have that. It's kind of like, <laughs> it's kind of like affirming my nonsense. If I'm saying that, I don't want anybody to affirm that for me. It ain't good. It ain't the right thought. So please don't affirm it for me. Don't say it out loud for it to be affirmed. Just keep it to yourself. Command your brain not to go with the I don't haves. If you're about to say it, any of these statements I previously said, just make it stop. Make it stop. The I know what I am. I can't. I used to be blah, blah, blah. I don't have blah, blah, blah. I know those, any of those situations is just not a good outcome here. Not a good outcome for our brain and also not a good way to define what we perceive as our identity. Okay. All right. Then it needs to sound a little more flexible than this, friends. It does not need to be mm, stiff and rigid. It needs to grow with us as we are developing every day. And it allows us to hold in the new knowledge that we are gaining, but not to define the knowledge as only this fixed thing that cannot be changed. That's why knowledge, believe it or not, being so stiff and rigid becomes a belief. And that belief, unfortunately, we want to make up some kind of rule about it. And it turns into this filthy idea of, I need to really prove that this idea or this belief or this piece of my identity is real. I need to make sure I defend it and protect it. But all of it for the wrong reasons. It doesn't allow us to change when we need to change one day. And I promise you, you'll need to change. This is a human milestone. We need to evolve and change and people that adapt well tend to change quicker and they don't go through a lot of suffering. They kind of can get the message right away. The sooner we get the message from our suffering or another discomfort, the better it gets for us. But if we keep resisting our discomfort and making excuses for it, oh boy, oh boy, oh boy, it just makes our way of solving this problem very rigid and limited and we'll stay where we're at and it's helpless town, helpless city. We don't need none of that. We don't need to live there. Go ahead and get your passport. Move the heck out. Let's see. The final statement that I don't want you guys to continue to use here when it comes to defining identity has a lot to do with comparing the self with others. This comparison game that we play. I had to add this one in there because it's not about an I, but it's kind of, it, it does involve that I am blah, blah, blah versus how another person is. And I see this a lot with siblings, believe it or not. It makes me kind of sad when I see a person compare uh, the way they've been treated by their parent versus how the parent treated their brother or sister. You know, even if it was true, the idea of comparing yourself ultimately gets you into the mindset that you are inferior, okay? I don't care if you're attempting to become superior when you are comparing yourself to another in the statement that you're making, it really ends up resulting no matter how many angles you look at it, you are inferior. If I have to point out out loud or judge another person 
because they are different from me. More often than not, friends, I am really insecure. So even my overactive ego is a form of insecurity. There is no ever, ever, ever a good outcome for this statement of the comparison game. Nothing. Nothing is good about it. Comparing myself to another person isn't just, I'm just telling people and even confirming for myself that I'm somehow inferior. I have some kind of inferiority and insecurity about myself that I need to look to see how others are being treated and measure myself based on how others are treated versus how I am treated. And of course, this interpretation is solely biased. It's performed by me. I am the only one who's making this interpretation, and yet I believe it to be real. (laughs) So let's just stop the insanity, friends. Let us all just stop the insanity. Stop the comparison. Whatever it is that you're attempting to do with that, it is going to turn messy, and it always results in some sort of ugliness, so don't justify it. There's no way of looking at this and making it a kind idea. It never results in kindness. Think about it. Think of everything that you might compare yourself to another person with. It just doesn't it doesn't solve the problem. It gets you stuck in that shaming. It gets you stuck in that feeling of inferiority. So don't bother. Don't bother. I want you to go beyond that. I want your identity to not be based on you comparing it to another person. I want you to understand that you as a human have your unique fingerprint in this world and nobody needs to validate that for you and most certainly you observing other people and comparing yourself with that does not does not at all need to be validated or used as a validation for you you get me i hope this helps you guys out today i really wanted to talk about this because talking about our identity is such a big buzzword you know defining who you are standing for what you believe blah 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 it is it is really if if anything it is making us more rigid It is not allowing for us to evolve and grow and become whatever our situation wants us to be. People that have a hard time adapting to different environments usually end up living in extremes. That's why when you see individuals that have done prison time or are have a criminal mentality, they tend to be very rigid in the way they adapt. That's why they have a hard time on the outside world because the outside world is all about paying bills and doing the stuff that we need to do over and over again that may not be exciting or fun or extreme, but it's something that we find value in. We like to have the mortgage paid and a place to live in and heat and water. We like to have all those things. Living on the extremes does not allow us to do that. If you ever met a person that has recently been released from prison, you will notice that they have a hard time with unstructured environment, which would be everything. Every every place you go to, Walmart would be hell on earth for most people that came out of prison because it is unstructured. People are doing whatever it is they want to do. And because people with a history of prison time tend to be hypervigilant, they are always in a sense of alertness, they will have a hard time adapting. They might even start fights or get into situations just to avoid regular things that people do. For example, work, shopping for groceries, going to confront a bill collector, uh, calling a bill collector, just doing the stuff that would be perceived as normal, perceived as very um, in the middle, not extreme. Those things would be very difficult for a person who's always lived in the extreme, in the chaos. They like the shortcuts. They don't want to confront anything. They want to avoid stuff. So it makes them very unadaptable to the outside world. And I often hear that, unfortunately, being 
glorified that people that are in prison are street smart. And because they're street smart, that somehow that makes them really smart. And I'd rather be street smart than book smart. L- let me just tell you, in itself, that creating that identity of I'm either street smart or book smart or both. It Listen, we want to be, I'm a survivor smart. I want to be whatever the situation allows me to be. And that doesn't require you to really have a stiff, rigid way of looking and defining yourself. You'll be able to adapt anywhere you go because you can be anything at any time. Isn't that a beautiful thing to know? So when we used to glorify that street smart people have got something really great, let me just tell you, the average person does not in the United States does not live on the streets. And so street smart only work when you're on the streets. There has to be a fluid identity, a flexible identity. The more flexible it is, the better you can survive. Yes. So we could be book smart, street smart, food smart, grocery shopping smart, paying bills smart. You can be whatever smart you want to be that this moment allows you to be. Because let me just tell you something. When I used to work in prison, there were elements of my work that was very much book smart, school, all that good stuff. But I really also needed to understand street smart and understanding that being in a prison setting and working there helped me quite a bit. Because I understood the code that I uh, needed to understand in order to help the people I needed to help and understand where they're coming from and why they talk about the, their world the way they talk about it. I also was able to clinically, in my mind, understand what I've learned in textbooks and apply both of them. I'm so grateful that in the times where, some, where I wasn't sure what the hell I was doing was probably what saved me. Because if I, my ego took over and said, I know what the hell I'm doing... <laughs> then I would have become very rigid, unteachable, and I would have had a hard time working in such extreme settings, like a prison, for example, or a jail. So I'm grateful today that I've had this opportunity to do that. It really has changed me, and it has given me the ability to understand what I'm capable of when the situation presents itself. Putting your ego aside helps you survive, helps you really hustle and figure out what's in front of you that you need to work out and what problem you need to solve. As a therapist, I did not have to be a criminal to think like one. What's really adaptable about expansion, my friends, is learning to think like whoever you want to think like and whoever I'm working with, think like them in order for me to adapt to them. And it's interesting because today, with each patient, I learn and I listen with the way they talk about their world and which words they use and what's important to them. I learn a lot about how I need to approach them And each individual is a whole new culture. So think how many times I have to adapt a day for each culture that I'm talking to. It becomes easier with time for me to adapt that way. But I I wanted to kind of share with you that trick. If my identity was just rigid in one way of thinking about a person and one way a person needs to change and perceive that there's only my way and no other way, then I don't think I would be good at what I do in any form. I would not be helpful because I would not consider what I'm looking at. I would not be able to meet the people that I work with where they're at and use the valuable things that they've learned and what they know to understand how they might need to solve their problems. But I promise you, I'm not coming up with that conclusion. They are. I need them to solve their own problems and undo it for them. Despite what people think about therapy and, and all that good stuff, it is really about you coming up with your own solutions as a patient. All right. I hope this helped you out, guys, and start to thinking about the rigid ways that you might perceive your identity. 
what your beliefs are, what you really back up and you're not, you're not willing to drop it. And think about it. If I was to be put in the middle of, I don't know, a whole different culture, am I willing to adapt or am I going to try to change the whole culture to fit what I think and my culture? I don't know. I think if you put me in the middle of India, I want to be able to ask another person to help me wrap a sari or find the words and learn the words that I need to learn to get myself some food, find whatever resources I need. So I will do whatever it takes. That's the point of that. Nothing about my identity says, okay, I'm an American and I can't (laughs) speak another language and that my language is the most important and everybody needs to learn how to speak English. I don't know. That hasn't worked in the past and so I don't perceive it as going to work in the future. Keep your mind open and keep your identity very fluid and flexible. I'm sending you love, light, and an identity to supersede the agility of water. This has been an episode of Drive Through. Thank you.